Praise the Lord, church family. Uh, I'm glad to be here yet again on such a uh, historic Sunday. Uh, this is the Sunday uh, that is uh, following a very peculiar week, uh, not just for the progression of our people, but also a very peculiar week uh, for the uh, example that has been set uh, for what uh, America is truly about. Uh, I think I'm going to see you all in another week so you're just going to have to get double for your trouble. Amen. I have a word from the Lord, and it's found in Daniel 5. When you get to Daniel 5, I think I'm going to take a look at verse 25 through 28. And when you get that, hold on to that. I'm going to open up with it, and we'll uh, delve into that together. Before I even begin, let me give honor where honor is due. I thank God for the senior pastor of this house, for the shepherd of this flock in Reverend uh, Charles Hamilton. Uh, this is my brother, my line brother in the fraternity of, of Jesus the Christ, which is Alpha, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated to be more specific. I thank God for our, our brotherhood and our friendship, and I look forward to the day where we can all reunite uh, as a church family and be in the house of the Lord together. But until then, uh, I thank God for the sacrifice that your pastor puts forward uh, and how he has put aside his own personal duties, his own personal aspirations to fulfill the promise and the call that God has given him. So again, wherever you are, let's thank God for the Reverend Charles Hamilton and your senior pastor. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this moment. We acknowledge your presence with us here on today. We sense your spirit in this house and in our houses, we, we hear you and feel you drawing nigh. Now, Lord, it's preaching time, and our request is simple, is that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts, that they be acceptable in thy sight. For, Lord God, you are our strength and our redeemer. All who agreed in a voice of unison would shout, Amen. Daniel 5, verse 25, reads like this. This is the inscription that was written, many, many tekel parson. Here's what these words mean, many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, or parson or a person, uh, as some of your translations may read. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Amen. For a few moments today with your prayers and God's help, I want to speak to you from the topic, catch these hands, my Lord, catch these hands. Now, that may not be a title for everybody. There's a certain demographic that I'm after when I use this sort of phraseology. Catch these hands is, of course, a cultural colloquialism that speaks to the reality of how we as a people are always prepared and always ready to defend ourselves if it need be. Amen, somebody. We are always in position. We are always standing back and standing by just in case we have to 
lift up holy hands as it were, catch these hands. Uh, this thing that I want to wrestle with today is not necessarily rooted in our hands because our hands are feeble as Isaiah 35 would put it. We have finite hood in our hands, but we do serve an eternal God. And that eternal God that we serve has power in his hands. This notion of hands that I want to deal with is all throughout the biblical text, all throughout the scripture we see where the Bible talks about the Lord stretching forth or stretching out God's hand. I love that because whenever God stretches out God's hand, what comes as a result is justice. Whenever God stretches out God's hand, what comes as a result is equality. When God stretches out God's hand, what comes as a result is power being placed back in the hands of where it ought to be. That's in and through the people, but residing in God. God will stretch out his hands. These are the hands that scooped out the valleys. And these are the hands that uh, mounted up the mountains. These hands that I'm talking about are sacred and sovereign. They're holy and set apart. These hands that I'm referring to are the Lord's hands. And what I love about the Lord's hands is whenever we depend on God's hands, whenever we put it in the Lord's hands, God will then invite us into that fold and give us the opportunity to have a handshake as it were, to put our hand in the Lord's hand and to be even the hands and the feet of our Lord there's a unison that takes place when we decide to put it in the Lord's hands. I love the scripture that says, no one can pluck us out of the hand of God because whenever we're talking about our salvation, we have to keep that text in mind. No one can pluck us out of the hand of God. When we're talking about the value and the protection that we receive as a result of this salvific dispensation. When we talk about the power of God's salvation in our life, we have to remember this text because the Bible reassures us that when we are saved, that God takes us, our salvation, and God puts it in God's hand. I love that because when the enemy is after your salvation, when the enemy is after your victory, when the enemy is after the uh, blessings that God has given in to and through you, the good news is God has already secured that in, you, in God's hand. And the enemy can't get to that. My pastor says that's the hand that, uh, that, that brought about this great creation that we're living in. Now that's God's hand. That's that Old Testament hand that we see all throughout the book of Genesis. That's, that's the Father's hand. No one can pluck us out of that great creator's hand but let's assume they can't but let's assume as my pastor would say that somebody can get through the hand of God that somebody can reach past God's hand and and try and pluck you out of the hand of God put what's in God's hand in their hand let's assume that that's possible the good news is it's not <clears throat> but if it were the Bible lets us know that our salvation just isn't just in God's hand but in God's hand, our salvation is sealed by the Spirit. That means 
that God took our salvation, God took our blessing and put it in God's hand and sealed his hand with the Holy Spirit. Now, the enemy can't get past God's hand, but the enemy can't even get past God's Holy Spirit because that's the same spirit that was the eventuation or the actualization of our spiritual salvation. The reason why Jesus came was so that we might be inhabitants of that Holy Spirit. The enemy can't get past the Holy Spirit. But let's say, for the sake of the argument, that the enemy can get past the Holy Spirit to get to us. And he can't, but let's suggest that the enemy can. The good news about our salvation is that we're not just wrapped in the hand of God. And that hand is not just sealed in the Holy Spirit, but the Bible lets us know that our salvation is in Christ Jesus. We are saved in Jesus the Christ, which, which means that if the enemy were to get past the hand of God, if the enemy were to somehow break the seal of the Holy Spirit, and the enemy can't do either of the two, that the enemy would have to then get in Jesus the Christ to pull us and pluck us out of the hand of God. But the reality is, if you're ever in Christ, you're a new creature, you're a new creation. So let's say the enemy did get past the hand of God and the enemy can't. And let's say the enemy does get past the Holy Spirit and the enemy can't. The enemy would have to get in Christ Jesus. And if the enemy gets in Christ Jesus, the enemy will be saved and no longer have a desire to pluck you out of the hand of God. I'm just trying to add some credence. I'm just trying to add some reassurance to whose hands you're in. I know I got a witness somewhere. No one can pluck us out of the hand of God. If I had time, I would really preach this thing the way I wanted to. I, I think you can tell by my demeanor on this Sunday morning that I'm having some sort of uh, reaction to the realities that we witnessed on this past week. So I can't preach this thing the way that I want to, but if I had time, I would take you to Psalm 8 because in Psalm 8, it talks about the reality that the architect of eternity, the great carpenter, that great carpenter, his hands weren't too busy to keep in touch with you. Psalm 8 reads like this, verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, we're talking about the hand of God, the moon and the stars which have been ordained, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Humankind that you care for them, for you have made them a little lower than Elohim, crowned them with glory and honor. I'm trying to tell you there's power in the hand of God. If I had time, I would preach this thing the way that I wanted to. Psalm 31 talks about the power of the times and we are living in crazy times right now. I would tell you that the reality is as we're crossing over this bridge from 2020 into 2021, that the Bible lets us know, Psalm 31 verse 15, that the times are in the hands of God and that the Lord will deliver us from the hand of our enemy from those who persecute us. There's power in God's hands. He's got the times in his hand. And if you found yourself in the enemy's hand, the Lord will deliver you. That's that other text that says that the enemy can't pluck us out of God's hand. The good news is God can pluck us out of the enemy's hand. The Lord will deliver us out of the hand of the enemy and from those who persecute us, if I had time. 
If I had time, I would talk about Psalm 91, verse 7. In that text, it helps us to understand that amid this COVID-19 crisis that we can depend on the Psalm 91 promise. And that Psalm 91 promise is a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. The good news about our hands and the hands that we have in Christ Jesus is that even in the areas of our life where we see destruction and, and desecration and dismay all around us, the good news is that a thousand may fall at one hand and 10,000 at another hand, but we're so tied into the hand of God that that trouble will never come near us if I had time. If I had time, I may take you to Psalm 121. I like Psalm because the book of Psalms brings us into a place of peace with the Lord. And amid this great sense of violence, this great spirit of violence that is over the nation right now, the good news is that we have peace and reassurance in the Psalm. Psalm 121, it talks about how we can keep on throwing shade. I love that because as we're, as we're making sure that we... We reassure those who may not know that you can catch these hands. The good news is that we are still throwing shade. And that's my encouragement to you. Keep on throwing shade to those who are bringing about injustice. Keep on throwing shade to those who are trying to bring about oppression. Keep on throwing shade to those who are trying to persecute. Because Psalm 121 says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Keep throwing shade because when you're throwing shade, you're not just throwing your hand. You're throwing in the hand of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Keep on throwing shade. If I had time, if I had time, I would take you even to Isaiah 64. I love that passage because it reminds us of who the potter really is. It reminds us whose hand we're in because just this week, God used the red clay of Georgia to mold and make America into what America could be and should have been. That text, Isaiah 64 says, but now, O Lord, you are the fa you are father. We are the clay and you are the potter. All of us are the work of your hand. I'm just trying to give some credence to whose hands you're in. The full armor of God, whenever we look at that that passage, whenever we look at that text, the full armor of God lets us know that we have to put on the helmet of salvation and we've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We've got to uh, gird our loins in truth. We've got to uh, fix our feet. Our feet have to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But the good news is God didn't leave our hands idle. The Lord said, take up the shield of faith and take up the sword of the spirit. I love that because the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And that shield is the faith that we have in the word of God. So in the moments in our life where our hands are trying to figure out what we ought to do, should we throw hands? Should, should we allow someone to catch these hands? Should we throw shade? The good news is that the Bible is letting us know that, that what we do with our hands is we take up the shield and we take up the sword. We take up the word of God and we take up our faith. That's, that's what you do with your hands. Whenever we take it up with our hands, that shield and that sword, we're putting word and faith 
on the problems that we may be facing in this world. Because I know all, all these individuals have uh, sort of struck some fear in, in some people throughout this week. I know that all these individuals from other parties and from other uh, 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 demographics, from other backgrounds, have tried their best to strike fear in the hearts of God's people. The good news is we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against rulers of darkness, against uh, wickedness in high places. Whenever we take the word and the faith, whenever we take the sword and the, and the shield, we then take our hands and put them in the hands of God that God might use our hands for God's glory. I'm just trying to give some credence to the power of God's hands so that you might remember whose hands that you're in. I love the text that tells us that, that we ought to have our hands that are ready to fight. The Bible says, train our hands for war and train our fingers to fight. And that's what we did last week. As a matter of fact, that's what we did uh, last November. We, we took our hands and our fingers and we fought with them. We didn't throw hands the way we throw hands in the neighborhood. We didn't throw hands the way that we ought to be throwing hands down at the Capitol. We didn't throw hands like that because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But we threw our hands the way that God would have for us th to throw our hands. And that way is through the power of our vote. That nonviolent way. Uh, if you ask John Lewis in, in his uh, rest, John Lewis, even from the balcony of eternity, would say uh, yet again that our vote is our most powerful means amid nonviolence. It's, it's our greatest weapon in the face of nonviolence. We have to use our vote as a means of power so that we might get the victory that God has for us. So when you cast your vote, when you put your vote in, when you threw your hands, when you threw that vote, you were throwing hands, you were throwing shade, you allowed the enemies of this nation to catch your hands because you threw your vote, you cast your ballot. I wish I had a witness somewhere that knew that there's power in your hands. I, uh, I hope you like my hoodie this evening uh, because this hoodie is uh, it, it's a hot hoodie. I mean, this, this hoodie represents the blood of the slaughter. This, this hoodie that I'm wearing today represents the fact that the church still has power in, through, and over government. I, I, you you got to check my hoodie out. This is a hot hoodie. It's, it's representing not a candidate. Uh, because we can't do that, right? Uh, we, we can't endorse a candidate. But I wore this hoodie today because I'm not endorsing a candidate. I wore this hoodie because I'm supporting our nation. I'm, I'm supporting our senator. I'm, I'm making sure that I'm being a support system for those who are in power. I know we can't endorse a candidate, but good news is we're not uh, uh, looking for a candidate anymore. We, we, we already have a senator, amen, somebody. So I wore my hoodie, this hot hoodie that I wore today because Pastor Warnock there at Ebenezer when Trayvon Martin was tragically murdered as a result of uh, 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 top flight security brutality uh, in George Zimmerman. The good news is 
we had a figure in Pastor Warnock who decided amid uh, several others around the country that he would wear his hoodie and preach that Sunday. And I, that, that's been branded on my memory and that's been emboldened on my mind. I can't get rid of that image of Pastor Warnock, our senator, preaching with a hoodie on, on his head while he's given the word of God. He has a representation of all that our people were going through even during that moment. And I love that because whenever we're talking about a hoodie, I can't help but remember uh, Trayvon Martin and how he put on his hoodie on his way to his home, armed with a, uh, a bag of Skittles, armed with an Arizona iced tea. He took his hoodie, put his hoodie on, and went towards his father's house. And while he was on his way to his father's house, he was attacked again by George Zimmerman, top flight security. And when he was attacked, here's what I love about Trayvon Martin. Rest, rest in peace, where God bless his memory. Trayvon Martin, uh, put the hands on George Zimmerman. Lord have mercy. I, I, I can't keep saying this kind of stuff because I, I get people rowdy. I, I got to remind you that not just Trayvon Martin, but Ahmaud Arbery. We saw the video when Ahmaud Arbery was running to his destination. Uh, they tried to capture Ahmaud Arbery. They ended up killing him as well. But I love the fact that each of these individuals, when they were faced with those who were trying to bring them down, they had the, enough sense, enough power, enough strength, enough fortitude to throw those hands. And I love that. The reason why Trayvon ended up in the position that he was in was because he had these, he had enough strength to throw his hands. The reason why we had Ahmad Arbery to uh, go into the space that he went into is because he had enough power to throw his hands. I'm just trying to witness to somebody that whenever principalities, whenever powers are trying to pull us down and take us out, we have the power, the obligation, and the opportunity to throw our hands. I love Trayvon Martin because Trayvon Martin put the hood on. He, yeah, he put the hood on when, when he threw those hands. And when I say put the hood on, you know what I mean, right? I don't mean that he just put his hoodie on. I mean that Trayvon Martin put the hood on. He reminded us that when there are those in uh, high places, uh, rulers of darkness, principalities and powers trying to bring us down, that the good news is we can throw those hands. So I just came to remind you to keep throwing those hands, whether it be your vote, throw those hands, whether it be your voice, throw those hands, whether it be organizing, throw those hands, whether it be uh, prayer, your prayer life for those around you, keep throwing those hands and watch how God brings about the victory that you need in your life. Do I have a witness anywhere? If, if you really knew anything about boxing, you know that there's a term that's called clinching. Clinching is when somebody is getting beat up so bad that they can no longer fight with you but, but they got to clinch you. They've got to hold on to you. And that's what's taking place in this nation. This nation is the most incarcerated nation in the world. We have the most people in jail, black and brown people, of course. And it's because we have been throwing hands so long in this nation that we've gotten to a point where they've started to clinch us. And they're clinching not because they're operating from a place of power. They're clinching not because they're in a position of control. They're clinching not because they have the fortitude to remain in the places of victory.
victory that they've stolen over the course of 400 years. The reason why they're holding us in jail cells, the reason why they're holding us in isolation, the reason why they're holding us and incarcerating us, the reason why they're imprisoning, imprisoning us is because they're clenching. They've been receiving those hands. They've been catching those hands so long that they can no longer take the fight that's taking place in this country. But I came to witness to you that we have the power to break out of the clinches, that we have the power to break forth into the freedom that God has for us. And whenever we break out of that clinch, you do know what that means, don't you? When we break out of that clinch, we're getting ready to walk over into the promised land. We're getting ready to step over into the fullness of what God has for us because we've broken out of the clinches and the trenches that those around us have tried to limit us and label us with. I know I've got a witness somewhere. If I keep going in this, in this narrative, you know that uh, Moses in the Old Testament had enough nerve to ask God to see God. I love that because God told him, he said, I, I, I can't let anybody see my face. I, no man can see my face and live. He said, but here's what I'll do for you. He said, I'll put you in a cleft of a rock. I'll put you in a side of a mountain. And here's what he said. I, I'll put my hand over the rock. I'm trying to tell you about whose hands you're in. He said, I'll put my hand over the opening in the side of that mountain and I'll pass by the opening in the side of the mountain. And by the time I pass by that opening in the side of the mountain, I'll lift my hand again. And when I take my hand away, I'll let you see my backside. I'll let you see my glory. I'll let you see from whence I just come. He said, I'll let you see the tail end of my glory because I can't allow you to see the fullness of my face. Why am I telling you this story? Because I don't care what you've found yourself trapped in. I don't care if you're in prison or incarcerated. The good news is God has his hand over you, that God is covering you even in the midst of your imprisonment and your incarceration. I don't care what you're up against or what's trapping you in or what's locking you in. The good news is God has his hand over you, but that's not even the best news. When God begins to remove God's hand, the good news is there will be glory after this. When God takes his hand off of you, you will face the glory that God has for you. God has his hand on you. And if God has to take his hand off you, it's only that you might see the glory of what God is doing in your life. Do I have a witness anywhere that knows that there's power in God's hand? Let me keep on going. Let's get to our text. In our text today, many, many, Teko Parson, this text is letting us know the fate of our uh, our once was commander in chief. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching here on, on Sunday the 10th. I, I know this is going to air the week after, but this is the 10th that I'm preaching. So on tomorrow, we are going to come to a decision as to whether or not uh, the the uh, the COVID-45 pandemic will come to an end. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about uh, Donald J. Trump. 
And I'm talking about that individual that is up against yet again another set of charges uh, planning to be impeached. And the good news is that even in these moments where we have such a dichotomy in this nation that we're getting ready to see the fullness of a coming together of justice in this world. This text lets us know that many, many Tekel Parson is a, a, a prescription, if you will, for what our enemy and our, our enemy in chief is getting ready to deal with on tomorrow and on the coming days. Let's say that it doesn't happen tomorrow. Let's say we got to wait another two weeks. Either way, uh, and that's my word to the proud boys, either way, that's my word to white supremacists, either way, that's my word to those who stormed the Capitol, either way, we've got a new president, and not just a new president, we've got a new sister named, a sister named Kamala Harris, who's an AKA, who went to Howard, who's getting ready to assume power, and I love that because it lets us know that these days are numbered, many, many, Teco Parson, many, many, M-E-N-E, -E, and then another time it says it, M-E-N-E. -E. I love that because it says it twice. The rest of the phrase in Daniel 5, they only say it once, but I love the fact that many, many is listed twice. Why? Because here in Georgia, we had to number it twice. In November, we had an election, and God told the nation then, your, your, God told Georgia then, that your days are numbered. He, he, God said that to Donald J. Trump, who's seated at the highest office in this land, but God also said that to Brian Kemp. God also said that to Kelly Loeffler. God also said that to those who are in power in Georgia, that your days are numbered. God said many, but, you know, folks don't listen when the Lord is speaking, but I love this text because God don't have a problem repeating God's self. God said it again, not just many one time, many again, because in November we got the victory, but of course we had to flesh that out again in January in the runoff. So God said many, many, and gave us yet another example of the fact that we are in a position now where those in power, those uh, rulers of darkness, those principalities, those uh, wickedness and wicked rulers in high places are getting ready to leave the places of power because their days are numbered. Many, many is listed twice in Daniel 5, just like we had to number our positions of power twice once in November and once in January. I love that because they could have been mad just one time. <clears throat> they could have took that L in November, but they had to, to run it off. They had to keep on running up. They had to keep on running it over. They had to keep it going until January. And that's fine because not only did you get mad once, now you ain't just mad, now you're big mad. Now you're mad not just from November, now you're mad from January. And God will give us double for our trouble. I know I've got a witness somewhere. They, they, they tried to do a runoff and they got all soft. I know I've got a witness somewhere. They tried to declare war until they started to hear that war knock in their spirit. I know I've got a witness somewhere. The good news is in the seasons of our life where there are those who are in power that God has told them not once but twice that your days are numbered and that your reign is coming to an end. I know I got a witness somewhere. So when you cast your ballots, 
you beat them at their own game because they didn't want to see these hands. They thought that we wouldn't go out. They thought we wouldn't vote. They thought that we would stay home and skip this election. But didn't we throw those hands, Georgia? Did we come forward and let them know that whenever we come together as a people, there's no force that can stop us from the fullness of what God has for us. So black America used our feet 50 or 60 years ago and marched through the streets. Black America used our feet even last summer with Black Lives Matter to march and to protest. But we threw those hands in November. We threw those hands here in January because we don't just use our feet to get the victory. God has encouraged us to use our hands to get the victory that God has for us. Do I have a witness anywhere? So I just came to stunt on the stats. I know everybody doesn't get this hip-hop terminology that I'm using, these cultural colloquialisms that I'm rendering today, but, but, but stunting on the stats, when I say I'm stunting, that means that I'm, I'm uh, showing out. And I came to stunt on the stats for those who don't know, because the stats will tell you that there are so many other people of another persuasion and another demographic, but when the numbers are counted, the numbers let us know, no, there may be more folks of another persuasion, of another demographic that are present in this nation, in this city, in this state, and in this land. The good news is that we can stunt on the stats. I know what they're saying about you with their statistics, but you can stunt on the stats. I know what they're saying about those who are incarcerated and those who are in prison, but you can stunt on the stats. I know that they're saying you can't go and get your degree and you aren't an educator peoples, but you can stunt on the stats. I know they're saying that you ought not have a place to lay your head and you ought to be lost in homelessness and in poverty, but you can stunt on the stats. I know they're saying that black fathers don't take care of their children, but you can stunt on the stats. I know that they're saying that black mothers can't have children, but you can stunt on the stats. Whenever the enemy tries to box you into a statistical space, the good news is you can show out, you can show up, you can stunt on the stats. I know I've got a witness somewhere that knows that there's power whenever the Lord begins to show God's hand. And this text is important because not only does this hand write out many, many, but you have to understand that this, this hand that appears in Daniel 5, this hand writes out many, many, but that word may also mean uh, mina, and that word mina means money. I wish I had time to preach this thing the way that I wanted to. That would render that it's not only that your days are numbered when, when God is talking to those in power, but the Lord is letting them know that your money is becoming limited, that I'm getting ready to make you go broke, that I'm getting ready to take the wealth of the wicked and give it over to the righteous. Come on. I know i got a Bible reader somewhere because it's not about us uh, taking money. It's not about us receiving it. It's about us getting what's been uh, indebted to us. It's about what we deserve. It's about what we've earned over the course of 400 years as a result of enslavement. God said, I'm getting ready to repair you. I'm getting ready to take the money out of your hands, those in power, those who are uh, exercising white supremacy, those who are misusing and misguiding those in the political process. God says, I'm going to take the money out of your hand and I'm going to put it in my hand. And when God puts money in God's 
God's hand, that money begins to be pressed down, shaken together and running over so that those who are on the bottom, those who are oppressed and suppressed and depressed can live out the fullness of what it means to be repaired, to receive reparations as a result of what's taking place in this nation. I love that because it lets us know that it's not a hand-me-down, but, but it's rather a handshake. We're not asking for a hand-me-down in this nation. We're asking for our fair shake of what we deserve. We're not asking for a handout in this nation. We're asking for a hand-off. And we're asking for God to give unto us what we're rightfully due as a result of God snatching it out of the hand of our enemy. It's not a hand-me-down. It's a handshake. It's not a hand-out. It's a hand off. Why am I saying this? Because I went to the National um, the National Underground Railroad Museum in Cincinnati not too long ago. And there in the National Underground Railroad Museum, I, I was afforded a private tour. Don't hate, appreciate. One day you can participate. I got a private tour of the National Underground Railroad Museum there in Cincinnati. I was there with a news reporter and a few other people. And I got a private tour of that Underground Railroad Museum. There was one exhibit that I love and one of those exhibits talked about the names of the slave ships that African peoples were brought over on here to this nation and they had so many different names I don't have time to name them all but one of the names that really struck a chord in my spirit was that one of those slave ships was named Charity what am I preaching about today? I'm trying to get you to understand that whenever we try to depend on charity, whenever we try to depend on hand-me-downs, whenever we try to depend on handouts, we're missing out on the fullness of what God has for us, and we're getting ready to enter back into a state of enslavement. I'm not getting on the slave ship of charity to find the liberty that I'm rightfully due in this nation. I'm not boarding the slave ship of charity to find the refuge and the solace that I need. I'm not boarding the slave ship of charity so that I can receive what I'm rightfully due and what I'm owed as a result of the work of my ancestors' hands. But God said, I'm going to take the wealth of the enemy out of their hands and put it in the hands of my people. I love that because it reminds us that the Lord is not just about justice in its uh, faux or false context. God is about justice in his truth and in his tenacity. God is bringing about a fullness of truth in the life of God's believers and even down to every last dollar God is going to bring about reparation and justice to the people that have been oppressed in this nation. I know it's hard to believe but I came to witness as a result of what's taking place in this nation that God is going to bring about victory to those who trust and believe that God can do it. I love the text that says touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm because that's what's been taking place over the course of these past few months as a result of Kelly Leffler trying to come against Pastor Warnock. I'm sorry, gang gang, I keep on bringing up my brother's name because he had some hitters after him. He had some people trying to pull him down. He had some people trying to take him out and he's also a member of Jesus Fraternity so I gotta back him up and the good news is that even those who are trying to take him down and take him out had to witness him rise on the wings of the dawn as a result of 
uh, all of our people throwing those hands in his stead. As a result of the votes that were cast, we have to come to the realization that this is the senator, that uh, a, a man named Osar, that a 33-year-old Jew, and, and uh, a pastor named Warnock that, that has uh, resulted in uh, a position of power who's, uh, who's a pastor of Martin Luther King Jr.'s pulpit, that, that individual has resulted in this nation going up in an uproar, and it's all because nobody can stand those who are in positions of power. Nobody can stand those who are exercising white supremacy. Nobody can stand the fact that a Jew, a young Jew with that, and that a black male Christian are pulling forward this nation into the fullness of what God would have for them to do. But Kelly Leffler, you do, you, you got to remember that text that says, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm, because that's what you tried to do over the course of this campaign. You tried to touch God's anointed, and you tried to do God's prophets harm. But the good news is that in, even in those moments that God is saying that your days are numbered, that your reign is coming to an end. Whenever a coin is misstruck, I love this, whenever a coin is misstruck in the U.S. Mint, there are seven steps to a coin being uh, introduced to the larger society. There are seven steps, but there's also an eighth step. And that eighth step is just in case a coin is misstruck. A coin is misstruck when the machinery, when the system has uh, somehow misused the coin. A coin is misstruck when the system has done something inappropriate, when the system has done something incorrect to the coin that is at hand. So they'll look at all the coins and they'll start to pull out in the U.S. Mint the coins that have been misstruck. And here's what they'll do. They don't put that, that coin that has been misstruck or mishandled. They won't put it back in the system. They won't put it back in the machine. They won't put it back in the structure. A coin that is misstruck begins to gain even more value because that coin is then carved out by hand. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that they tried to put their hands on God's anointed, that they tried to do God's prophet's harm, but even though that coin was misstruck, even though God's prophet was mishandled, even though those, not just God's prophet, but God's church was misused and misstruck and mishandled as a result of this system, the good news is God put his hands on us and God pulled us out of the system. God pulled his church out of the system. God pulled his prophets out of the system. God pulled those who are dedicated to his name out of the system that they might impact the way that this nation is or the direction that this nation is going to. And I love the fact that whenever something is misstruck, that it gains value because I know you've been misstruck as a result of this system. I know you've been misstruck and mishandled as a result of what's taking place in this nation. But the good news is whenever you've been misstruck, God is getting ready to put his hand on you and pull you out of the system that has misstruck and misused you, that you might have the testimony that God has had his hand on me and my value shot up, my value increased, not just when, when you thought that you were misstriking me, when you thought you were mistreating me, when you thought you were misusing me, all you were doing was setting me up so that God could put God's hands on me. Do I have a witness anywhere that knows that God's hands are on those who have been misstruck as a result of this system. I gotta rush on. I'm almost done. Tekel is another word in this 
phrase, this word lets us know that you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. I love that because again, tomorrow we get ready to weigh 45 on the scales. And I, I, don't, I, I don't mean to uh, uh, talk about him personally, but uh, his, his scales are going to be off. Uh, when they put 45 on those scales, the scales are going to tip. When they put uh, Donald Trump on those scales, the scales are going to fall over. I'm not talking about his weight. I'm talking about the fact that he's been unjust to the people of God. When they put Donald Trump on those scales, the scales are going to fall over. When Lady Liberty reaches out and puts Donald Trump on those scales, the scales are going to fall over because Lady Liberty, and you do know Lady Liberty is a black woman. That, that, that Statue of Liberty that is in New York, that's a black woman. A black woman is is deciding the fate, Lady Liberty is going to decide the fate of a racist white supremacist who's seated in positions of power in this nation. But I love the fact that we don't have to wait on Lady Liberty to do it. We have another black woman in Stacey Abrams that put Donald Trump on the scales and she, she demonstrated to us. She let us know that those in positions of power are getting ready to lose out on their positions of power, are getting ready to be brought down from their places and positions of power, that their days are numbered because they've been found wanting and they've been weighed on the scales. I love that because we threw hands on November 3rd and then we threw hands again on January 5th. But uh, out of all those folks and, and, and you know, there's a lot of enemies that Donald Trump has developed over the course of these four years, and he's got a lot of enemies. As a matter of fact, not just these four years, but before then, Donald Trump got too many people warning him. Yeah, he's got some people looking for him. He's got some, not, he's not just wanted, he's warranted. He's got some warrants after him. Yeah, yeah, he's got some people that are looking for him. So I just came to tell you that he's got too many enemies for him to prosper anymore. It, I'm trying to give you a reason, a shout, that your enemy has been put into a position where his back is against the wall, where your enemy who has tried to push you down and to pull you out has been put into a position where he can no longer get the victory. I love that because it lets us know that even in the seasons where those around us are trying to take us out of the fullness of what God has for us, that the Lord will bring us back into the fold so that we might be a test Testimony that God will, in fact, bring an end to the days of those who are in positions of power. So Donald Trump, he, he still got people looking for him from The Apprentice. Come on, somebody. He still got people that he fired looking for him. He still got people that that uh, that uh, are, are, are oppressed that are looking for him. He's, in fact, America's most wanted. How, how is it that you're in the highest position, you're in the seat of power in this nation and in this world, but you're still America's most wanted? You're not just wanted in America, you're wanted in Iraq. You're America's most wanted. I love this because it lets us know uh, that, I mean, even he has a debt to the Russians. He's wanted in Russia. He's got to, this, the, the weights have been uh, measured and, and Donald Trump has been found wanting. I'm, I'm trying to preach this word, tackle. So I just came to tell, uh, as tackle renders, uh, I came to tell Donald Trump uh, to whenever you 
end up in these streets, whenever you end up in this neighborhood, I came to tell those in positions of power who are likened unto Donald Trump that in this season that you have been found wanting. So I came to witness that whenever you see, when you see Donald, tell Donald to duck. Whenever you see Donald walking in the streets, I said tell Donald to duck. Whenever you see Donald trying to further his injustice towards people of brown and black skin. I said, tell Donald that I said to duck. Do I have a witness anywhere? So this is our last word. We have many, many, we have Tekel, but then we have Perez. We have Parson, we have Upperson. And that text lets us know that your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. I love that because that text lets us know that it's been divided once into multiple divisions. When it says that it's been divided, it means that there was one division, but that division has resulted in a number of other divisions. I'm really preaching this thing. I'm hoping y'all get it. Many, many temple parson. Parson means that your kingdom is divided, and that one division has resulted in multiple divisions. Because whenever we're talking about multiple divisions, we have to be reminded of, uh, of that text that lets us know that there's one spirit, but out of that one spirit, we get many gifts. This is found in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. There's one Holy Spirit, but that one Holy Spirit gives us multiple gifts. That's the same thing that we're seeing in this text, that we have one division that has been let out from heaven, and that one division has caused multiple divisions for those who have been divisive in this nation. That one spirit is bringing about many gifts to those who need them. And I love that because even Daniel in this text, verse 17 of chapter 5, Daniel says to the king, he says, I'm going to interpret this dream for you. I'm going to interpret the fact that this hand was writing on the wall. But when I interpret it, you don't have to give me all the gifts that you promised those who might uh, who might be able to tell you what this word, what these words on the wall mean. Daniel says you can keep your gifts because Daniel in his spirit understands that the Lord has another set of gifts that God is giving to those who have been on the bottom of this nation, <clears throat> that have been on the bottom of this society. I love the fact that Daniel says you can keep your gifts because I don't want a gift of charity. I want the fullness of what God is trying to do in my life. Let me move on. This text lets us know also that uh, Medes and Persians are two separate categories. So on one hand, you've got the victory, and on the other hand, you've got the victory. The Bible is letting us know that we have the victory on both sides, that we've got the victory on both hands, that both sides will result in victory. So we've been divided in this nation, have we not? We've been divided over the course of these years. We've been, we've been divided over the course of this nation. We've been divided as a result of white supremacy, as a result of oppression of a black and brown peoples. We've been divided, but here's what I love. Over the course of these past few months where this voting process has taken place, the good news is that we have been divided for so long, but we've started to divide our nation as a result of us being divided. What do I mean? You know the Senate is 50-50 now. It's divided right down the middle, but it's not just right down the middle. The good news is 
that when it's divided down the middle, that we have someone else, and I talked about it earlier, who's getting ready to be the tiebreaker to decide on matters of justice in this country. So there'll be a tie on the things that matter in this world. But the good news is that even though there's a tie, that the Lord has sent us a tiebreaker, and that tiebreaker will decide for us the good news of what God has for us in these coming years. So I came to witness that whether it be a dead president or whether it be a dead precedent, whether it be a dead president in, in office or whether it be a dead precedent in this nation, the good news is that both of them are dead, that both of them are gone, that both of them are no longer a part of the conversation, that we can move forward and continue to defeat powers and principalities and rulers of wickedness and darkness in this nation because a dead president and a dead precedent don't decide what we're getting ready to do moving forward. So I came to witness to you that uh, whether it be Donald or whether it be the devil, they're both defeated. Donald and the devil are both defeated. And we have power to move forward into what God is getting ready to do in this nation. And the devil can't stop it. And Donald can't veto it. I love that because it reminds us that even on Mount Carmel, that Elijah was in a position that we were in last week. Elijah was in a place in his life where he was getting ready to get the victory. But right when Elijah was getting ready to get the victory, the Bible says that uh, those prophets of Baal began to tear down the altar that was built. So much so that before Elijah prays to heaven that fire might fall, that he has to rebuild the altar so that he can pray to the Lord. And I love that because that's what we got to do in this nation. We've got to rebuild the altar because it was torn down last week. We've got to rebuild the altar. They danced and they laughed and they stormed the Capitol. They, they tried to tear, that, tear down the altar of what God is getting ready to do in this nation. But I love Elijah on Mount Carmel when they tore down his altar trying to give a foreign God the praises that God is due. Elijah had the patience to rebuild the altar that was torn down. And when he rebuilt that altar, fire fell from heaven on the first ask, even though the people had been out there all day. So I came to remind you that when Elijah does that, he goes up into the mountain. And when he goes higher into the mountain, he tells his servant, go and look towards the sea. This is all in 1 Kings 18 and 19. He says, go and look towards the sea. And when you go and look towards the sea, God is getting ready to show you something. And his servant goes and he looks towards the sea. And when he looks, he goes back six times. But on the seventh time, he says, I finally see something. He says, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. We're talking about hands, aren't we? We're talking about this hand that was right on the wall in Daniel 5. We're talking about the hands of God that will lead us in and through this nation and through this difficult time. The fact is that the uh, servant comes back to the prophet and says, I see a, a, a cloud and it's the size of a man's hand and it's rising over the sea. Let me say this parenthetically. When it says that there is a man's hand, it's not an actual size of a man's hand, but they used to use their hands and arms, whatever they had, as a means of measurement during the time. So when the servant goes to the uh, prophet Elijah and says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand that's rising over the sea, he's letting him know that 
I had to lift my hand up to measure the size of the rain cloud that was coming. He said, I lifted my hand and the blessing that's getting ready to come is about the same size as the praise that I lifted up. So I dare you to lift up a praise wherever you are because just like in 1 Kings 18 and 19, when you begin to lift your hand, you can measure the size of the cloud of rain that God is getting ready to pour down into your life, that God is getting ready to bless you with. Whenever you use your hands as a means of measurement, you can begin to measure what God is getting ready to do in the life of those who believe. I wish I had somebody wherever you are that knew the power of your hands and how God will use your hands in this season to bring about the fullness of what God has for you. So I love that even Jesus on the cross, I'm done, that even Jesus says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Jesus understood the power of God's hands. He says, I'm going to take my spirit and put it in the hands of someone who knows what to do with it. So even the doubting Thomas, Doubting Thomas said, I'm not going to believe that the Lord has that, that the Lord has been resurrected from the dead until I see his hands. He said, I'm going to have to catch them hands. Jesus. If, if I'm going to believe that the Lord has risen from the dead, he said, I'm going to have to see his hands. And here's what I love about my Lord and my Savior. He's not scared to bring them hands to your front door. They were locked in an upper room, Jesus' disciples. And the Bible says that even though the door was locked, that Jesus came right through that locked door and he began to show doubting Thomas his hands. I came to witness to you that we serve a Savior who will show you his hands. We serve a Savior who don't have a problem giving you them hands. We serve a Savior who said you can catch these hands. I don't care if you're doubting whether my hands are real or not. I don't care if you're doubting whether or not I've gone through what I went through. I don't care if you're doubting whether or not I'm truly the Savior. We serve a Lord and Savior who says you too can catch these hands. And when you catch the Lord's hands, when you catch the Lord's hands, that's when all doubts and fears will be subsided, just like with doubting Thomas. Whenever you catch the Lord's hands, the Lord is getting ready to lead you into the fullness of what God has for you because we serve a Lord and a Savior who don't have a problem with throwing hands. As a matter of fact, he keeps on going and Jesus is now ascended and he decided that he's going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm trying to tell you about God's hands and how much power is in the hands of God. He's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercessions on our behalf. I love the fact that we've got hands in Christ Jesus. We've got hands from the Father. And whenever we decide to allow our enemies to catch those hands, it's at that point where we'll receive the victory that God has for us. So I came to ask you, where can I go from the Lord's spirit? If I rise on the wings of the dawn, he's right there. If I make my bed in the depths, he's right there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn or settle on the far side of the sea, even his hand will guide me. His right hand will hold me fast. I came to witness that he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me in his hand. He's got the little bitty babies in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. And I don't know what you're up against on today, 
but I came to witness to you that whatever it is that you're up against, God has that problem in God's hands. And whenever you put your life in his hands, I wish Kirk Franklin was here. Whenever you put your life in his hands, it's at that point where you'll have the reassurance that everything that I've gone through, everything that I've dealt with, everything that I've been up against is not because I've done anything wrong, but it's because whose hands I'm in. The fight isn't against you. The enemy is trying to fight against whose hands you're in. So I came to tell you that it's about all stake. You're in good hands. That's what Georgia represented over the course of this week, that we're the nation's state. We're, we're all state. We, we, we made sure that we are in good hands. The reason why we're getting ready to see justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream is because we're in good hands. I wish I had some people around the state of Georgia that knew that as a result of you throwing your hands, as a result of you casting your ballot, as a result of you putting your prayers in the hands of your father, that the good news is we're getting ready to see justice like we've never seen justice before. And it's all because we put it in the hand of our Lord. We put it in the hand of our Father. We put it in the hand of our Master. And whenever we take these things that are weighing us down and begin to put it in the hand of an Almighty God, we have the reassurance that God hand, God's hand will lead us and that God's hand will guide us. I know I've got a witness somewhere. There may be someone, I don't know who it is, but you heard God's voice. You cast your ballot, but you haven't decided to put your hand in God's hand. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. The doors of the church are open. I know we're on virtual live stream. I know we're on Facebook live. I know we're on the website. But the good news is the doors of the church are still open. I know you can't come to the physical edifice, but the edifice can come to you. The place that God has ordained for you to have union with his spirit is open to you even now. The Lord has made available his hand. The old preacher would say, uh, put your hand in my hand and put your, your heart in God's heart. You can do that today. You can take your hand and put it in the preacher's hand. You can take your hand and put it in the hand of God. You can take your heart and put it in the Lord's heart. You can do that today. You have the opportunity to give yourself over to salvation. If you want to be saved, it's a simple prayer. You pray this prayer with me. Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I failed in many of your mandates and in many of your commands. But the good news, Lord, is that you sent your son to save me. Will you save me even now? And I'll be careful to give your name all the praise, glory, and honor as a result of that salvation. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you're saved. You're in God's hands. You're in good hands. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to contact the church and the church will get in touch with you. And I'm sure that Pastor Hamilton would love to be your pastor. And this church is a great church that would love to be your church family. So won't you do that now? And I believe that as we reunite, and I'm looking forward to us reuniting, that when we come back together hand in hand, that the Lord will give us the reassurance that even in the seasons where we felt out of touch, that God will reassure us that we've had his hand all along. And that's what I want to encourage somebody with. So wherever you are, if you've just been saved, why don't you send us a message? Why don't you reach, us, reach out to us on the website? If you need a church home, this is the place for you. Pastor Hamilton would love to be your pastor. If you need help in this season, there are many resources around this country 
and around the state, even in the city, that you can reach out to, and those resources are available to you. So won't you do that even now? And I look forward to the next time that we can reunite hand in hand as a result of what God is doing. God bless you, and I look forward to seeing you next time.